Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms now wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning and happy President's Day. Nope. I'm not Carmen. I'm Paul, usually the producer, but this week filling in as Carmen and her family are on vacation this week, skiing in Colorado. Let's hope they stay safe. Well, again, thank you for joining me. Our Growing Your Faith verse of the day, which you just heard, Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Let me read it again. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters, or as other translations have it, let brotherly love continue. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Angels, do we take them as seriously as we should? Do we see them as relevant to our lives? The writer of Hebrews certainly seems to. The word angels is used 13 times in the book of Hebrews. That's actually quite a lot in the New Testament. Admittedly, most of those have to do about with about how Jesus is superior to them in his majesty and power. After all, they're created beings. Jesus, second person of the Trinity, son of God. Yeah, big difference. But there are three verses I want to focus on. One is our Growing Your Faith verse of the day today, but the others are Hebrews 1.14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? These, these beings, these angels, they may have been made a little higher than us, at least in our earthly form, according to Psalm 8.5. But they're serving God. They're sent from God in his redemptive work of salvation. They're serving us in the world. Their mission is for us and for our good. And they're around us. And then there are Hebrews 12, 22, and 23. This is just a few verses before our Growing Your Faith verse. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. The, the church of the firstborn, that's us, but I'll get to that in a moment. The verses just before those I just read, talk, the, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews is talking about the fearful sight the children of Israel came to when they came to Mount Sinai. The smoke, the thunder, the fearful awesomeness of God, it was a place to tremble. But for us, we've come to Mount Zion, and not the, not the mountain and the city of Jerusalem on earth, but the real one, the heavenly one. The city of the living God, and what a sight it'll be with the angels in joyful assembly. Now, I saw the joyful word, and I thought, where else do we see angels rejoicing in the Bible? I found three. Job 38, 7, where Job, or rather, God is talking with Job, describing or saying the time of creation. Where were you when I did this, when the stars, the morning stars sang together, the angels shouted for joy? And then Hebrews 2, or pardon me, there's that, and Luke 2, pardon me, where the angels sing at the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. You know, it sounds pretty joyful when they sing glory to God in the highest and to on earth peace to men of goodwill. I mean, that sounds pretty joyful. It doesn't sound like, eh, yeah, that's kind of cool, but whatever. No, they're joyful. And then there's Luke 
15.10, Jesus says the angels rejoice over sinners that repent. So what are the angels excited for? They're excited for God's work of creation as well as his work of recreation, you know, redemption, redeeming us. And they're excited to be part of what God is doing. They're excited for us, their fellow kingdom citizens, which brings us now again back to our Growing Our Faith verse, which tells us, keep loving each other, let brotherly love continue. But how? Now, the key idea in this passage has to do with the practice of hospitality, which we don't really get well in our modern day. I mean, we think of hospitality, we think of hospitality industries, hotels, restaurants, amusement parks, movie theaters, stuff like that. But in the ancient world, it had, it had to do with welcoming people into your home. And that's a big discussion. We don't have time for that right now, or maybe we will, because we're waiting for Dave Buring to get on the line, because we'll be talking with him, hopefully, here in a little bit. But um, there's a there's a podcast I'm going to put in the show notes from another show that I helped produce, Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, on the weekends here on Faith Radio. Some time back, he had a guest, Greg Thompson, doing a series on the six historical practices of the church. One is hospitality. And uh, Greg Thompson had a great segment on that. I'll put the show note there. But the bigger point, let's get back to, is the angels are in service in God's redemptive plan. They're working through, they're helping God work that out. And they're working around us. They're excited to love and serve us. So are we excited to love and serve others? Maybe even them. After all, they are sometimes manifest themselves in the face of strangers. Are we open to that? <sighs> yeah, that makes me wonder because I don't think about angels a lot. Well, growing in our faith, in your faith walk, that means learning more about what God uh, is more than just about what God is teaching us in the Bible, um, even though that is very important, not diminishing that. But it also has a lot to do with us growing together in community with others. And that's not just going to church, hearing a sermon, and going eating donuts in the fellowship hall afterwards. No, it talks, it's important about friendships. And if David Beering joins us, we'll be talking to him about that here in just a few moments here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Well, this is Mornings with Carmen. Without Carmen, I'm Paul, and also without David Buring, who was uh, supposed to be joining us here in, uh, well, right now, uh, to talk about, among other things, friendship. Because, okay, here it is, the month of the month of love. And yeah, we think about love, romance, but there's also other types of love. Maybe, uh, uh, Ryan, are you familiar with, uh, with C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves? I've heard of it, but I couldn't really quote much of it at all. So, <laughs> okay, well, did, you were a student here at Northwestern. You took your Bible classes. Uh, I don't. I don't remember ever doing C.S. Lewis stuff. Well, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, sh- yeah. I'm slightly shifting it here because yep. C.S. Lewis spent time fleshing out the idea of love, and he talked about the four kinds of love: storge, uh, file, eros, and agape. Of course, he had funnier pronunciations being the Brit guy that he is. Sure. 
So do you know what those are? I've heard of agape love. The other three I have not. Yeah, okay. Well, storge is affection, uh, usually like between parents and children, family members, stuff like that. Then you have uh, friendship love, filet. Eros, you know, you think of romantic love. People, it's it's been twisted in our modern culture so much. Sure. And then he uh, talks about agape, which is that deeper, deeper commitment. Now, what I was hoping, and I guess we could probably talk about this too, because it really, you know, he he has a podcast up, and we're going to put it in the show notes um, about friendship. And if I can shift gears and get to the right screen on my computer, um, he, he talks about the various levels of love. Not all, not all friends are equal, yeah. you would say, because some people are yeah. they're the, the acquaintances. And these are people you have the occasional contact with. You have friendly conversations. You acknowledge them with love and grace and discern what questions are appropriate. You know, you, when you're interacting with them, how deep do you generally go with somebody who's an acquaintance? I mean, okay, somebody you just see every other day, and yeah. you're going through a hard time. You don't you don't pour out your soul to them, do you? <laughs> no, I do not. I think you got to kind of build trust with those people, and at the same time, it would feel kind of forced if you were going to a deeper level with an acquaintance. Yeah, yeah. So there's that first. That, that David Goering in his article when he talks about the sphere or the circle of friends is the um, that's the crowd. That's the acquaintance. But then he gets into the casual or informal friendships. These are the people, you know, okay, who are the people you hang out with sports on a regular basis? You know, when you're, when you're at the gym. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a gym guy, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you mean, like, who would I watch sports with, play sports with? Is that what well, you're asking? Well, so, so, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, um, are you in a league of some sort, basketball or something like that? Or I'm not in a basketball league. No, I'm not. Because uh, my my stepsons are both in a you know, okay. league and like, and so there's people to hang out with. They develop. Yeah. These are people you have common interest with. Yep. And these are you, – you can go a little deeper. You, you can share opinions a bit more, you know, especially when you're talking sports. I mean, you, you can talk about who the goat is and whatever, you know, the stuff yep. like that. These are – it's still – there's still this distance, but there's still a level of interaction. It's a conversation starter for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you, you, you affirm strengths in each other. You're encouraging each other more because especially if you're in a league and you're wanting the other person to do well, you're there. You're yep. encouraging them. And from in a church setting, these are people you're probably going to recognize what God is doing in their lives. You're, you're going to comment on that, right? Yeah. So, and so there is a deeper, not super deep, but you're there as an encourager. And, again, these are people. How deep are you going to go with them, though, say if you're going through – a struggle in your life. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I would go back to that piece about it has to be built up. So I would say my group, who's the closest with, we can go and we can talk about sports and whatever stuff for as long as you want. But then if something's happening in your life and you want to go to that next step, you can do that. And right. it goes much further beyond that. But that would be one where it's been built over time. Exactly. So you're, you're at a point... The, you, these people, are the, the uh, your friendships can deepen, but it takes time. It takes that development. We're going to get to the next two levels of friendship here in just a moment because uh, there's four spheres that uh, Dave Buring points out in his podcast. Again, we'll have the notes, in uh, the information about that in our show notes if you want to go deeper on this. Again, you'll find that when we set up the podcast here uh, on MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you get your podcast. This is Mornings with Carmen. Paul filling in for Carmen this morning here on Faith Radio.
Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Every step of the way All filling in for Carmen today on Mornings with Carmen, actually all week. And right now, our friend Dave Buring joining us here on Faith Radio. Hey, Good Dave, don't morning, worry. Paul. Doing okay, and don't worry, friends forgive. And you, you were mentioning you had uh, some people there, kind of some friends from out of town, and got hey. late last night. I get it. Oh, I get it. I get it. So we're good. We're good. All right. So, well, where are we picking up? Well, okay, we were talking about the different spheres of friendship. And uh, Ryan was helping me out here, going through the first couple of spheres, you know, talking about the acquaintances and the and the, um, the informal friends. But before yeah. we get to the two deeper levels, I want to back up and talk about the importance of friendship as part of our discipleship. And for that, mm-hmm. I mean, you're part of the discipleship ministry, Lion's Share. And mm-hmm. so if you're to do the elevator pitch, what discipleship is, what what would you say it is real quickly? Yeah, so discipleship is pouring into another person spiritually so they can grow in their faith, so that they can get to know Jesus more, they can look more like him and how their attitudes are, what their actions are like, the words that come out of their mouth. So it's a purposeful purposeful process of pouring into somebody's life spiritually. All right. And as we were talking, Ryan and I, about the first two levels the uh, or circle of friendships the uh, crowd the acquaintance it's not that you can't pour into their lives it's just there's only certain things you can pour into their lives at that point or they can pour into you uh, showing them love and grace obviously is what we we're kind of talking about and then when it comes to the casual friend you can go a little deeper than that yeah, but once yeah. we get to the next two levels it it becomes more mm, what's the word i'm looking for there's a lot more intentionality and a lot more yes. openness, I guess is the best way yes. I can say it. Now, let's walk through those. Uh, let's go to the uh, the next level, which is the committed uh, friends, the close friends. Yeah, and I think, you know, when it comes to discipleship, one of the key points is that you have to have trust, right? Right. Because you don't really let someone speak into your life unless you trust them. And so when you get to this particular uh, level of like committed or close friendships, it's the combination of, like you said, Paul, purposefulness mm-hmm. combined with there's just much more um, enjoyment because you've gotten to know each other. There's a deliberateness that allows friendships to deal with deeper heart things. And I find, too, in relationships that I have that are in this place, the purposeful conversation revolves around issues of life and it revolves around what someone might feel called to and so therefore it is like say if someone says you know i really feel called to medicine i i i want to help people i'm learning to be a doctor a nurse a physician assistant 
Well, then some of my discipleship with them, because now I have this relationship of trust, it allows me to pour more deeply into them. And it's not just spiritually, because we know each other well now, it's being able to help them take spiritual principles and apply them even to their vocation. Mm. Exactly. Now, the next level is the most intimate. Now, before we get to that, I got to tell tell you a story, uh, Dave. Talking okay. before we get to talking about those really close, the uh, the mm-hmm. the really you know intimate friends there. Uh, yeah. Back in 2012, as a matter of fact, it was round about this time. It was late February, heading into Lent. Um, the the previous few months, actually previous few years, had been very dark times for me, and I was a, I was emotionally, I was spiritually a wreck. Mm. And I took a chance, and I reached out to five guys who were, I guess you could say those were the uh, the c- close friends, level three. Yeah, yeah. And I reached out to them and said, guys, I am in a bad strait here, which they knew. What they, I mean, you know, you try and hide the stuff from people. Mm-hmm. They know. They know. Yeah. Anyway, but I, I said, can you walk with me through this time? And counsel me, pray with me, just, I need help. Every All five of them said, you bet. They were in, and they were a key part to wow. much of my restoration uh, during wow. that time. Because, like I said, I was not <laughs> in a good state mentally, emotionally, and such, or spiritually. Mm-hmm. And those guys were key. Not that other people didn't help. There were other close friends who did, but they were the core. They were the yeah. core. Yeah, no, that's huge. And and you have, so between this committed group and the core, it's like, for me with the core, you know, my wife is in that group. Mm-hmm. And then there's maybe a couple of people in my life that are there. And so when you get to these levels, as you had already expressed, it's a whole nother level. It's the casualness is not just there. There's purposefulness. There's intentionality. There's um, can I use the word commitment? There's mm-hmm. like a real commitment to each other. And like yeah. Paul, that story you just told, you know, hey, we have friends and then we got friends. And, yeah. you know, and those people rose rose up for you in the time of need. Mm-hmm. So I guess the next question in, in this discipleship thing is how do you discern these friends, especially the the close and the and the uh the intimate the friends. Core. The core. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's a I think as a starting point for me um that I can reference even scripturally is so Jesus had the twelve, which I would say would be the committed. Mm-hmm. And then amongst those twelve, it seems like he had three. Like Peter, James, and John seem to be pulled pulled into different things. Like, for example, uh, remember the transfiguration, Jesus takes those guys with like probably the most intense moments of Jesus' life, like in Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. He, he says, guys, hey, come over here with me. And and you see this imagery here, this picture of of this core group of relationships around Jesus' life. And you know who another one was? that is not a disciple, but like Jesus stops at their house on the way to Jerusalem before he rides in in his crucifixion weeks is Lazarus. Yeah. You know, and Mary and Martha, it was like that little family. There was this relationship that Jesus had that seemed to be core. And and again, so much so that I think he felt the need, not just I'm going to say my goodbyes, I think felt the need 
to know that kind of intimacy, that mm-hmm. kind of closeness. And so I, I think it's one of those things that, you know, once you get people into your close friends, then the, that core, I think it just kind of emerges, Paul, because you, you see the mutual level of commitment back and forth. You see people, you know, saying, Hey, I'm, I'm not only with you, but I'm present here. Like if you need me, I'm here. And I think, I think the core naturally grows out of the committed. And as you pay attention to that, you see who that is. I never really looked at Martha, Mary, and Lazarus that way before. I mean, yeah, he he visited before heading into Jerusalem. And yeah. I, I never, I mean, I just thought, eh, it's a casual visit. And, and you get caught up in the, uh, what's the, the, the different intrigues happening because yeah. the the Pharisees and the Sadducees wanted to kill Lazarus too because of the fact, hey, Jesus rose him yeah. from the dead. That's making us look good. And they were even thinking that. But to, to you're talking that visit was not just not what wasn't just some flash in the pan thing. It was it was Jesus in his humanness at that time on yeah. earth needing that fellow. I never looked at it that way before. Well, and I think if you, you know, you kind of play it out. So that would be, you know, just before he get, arrives into Jerusalem, he stops in at Bethany. So we don't know exactly, but let's just say it's, let's just say it's a week. Maybe mm-hmm. it's the weekend before, you know, the the Sunday he goes riding in on the donkey. And then we got to realize that Jesus on that following Thursday night deals with rejection by his friends, though mm-hmm. I'm sure he he knew it was coming. Yeah. He understood. He told them uh, at the Last Supper, this thing's coming. So I'm sure if you just look at the, let's call it the Son of Man side of Jesus, that there was that reality of him needing to have those who are closest in his life around him during that time. Mm. I wish we had more time, but oh, that's so good. That is so good. <laughs> hey, Dave, even though you're late, you still deliver. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, Paul. It's, I apologize to all of you, but it's, no, it's always okay, good to be with you. It is. Dave Bering from Lion's Share. Check out what he offers. Again, we'll put the links up for his podcast, Sphere, uh, Spheres of Friendship, where he and his host go through this a bit more. You can find that at lionshare.org or check uh, Dave and Lionshare out on Facebook and Twitter. Dave, Dave, again, thank you so much. Thanks. Have a good day. You too. This is Mornings with Carmen. Paul filling in this week here on Faith Radio. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in. Well, here it is, President's Day, and some important presidential news. Hopefully, you're in prayer for Jimmy Carter, our 39th president from 76 to 81. He is, uh, he's gone home, uh, that is, to his house. He's receiving hospice care in Plains, Georgia, the church where Jimmy Carter has attended and taught Sunday school for many years, asking for prayer for the former president. It was announced over the weekend that he's spending his remaining time at home with family under hospice care. The uh, prayer leader at Maranatha Baptist Church where Carter has been attending and teaching, led the congregation in prayer for him, and they're asking us to pray as well. It would be interesting for for him to uh, actually pass, which is possible today on President's Day, but how fitting, because he is our longest-lived 
president. He's 98 years old. He beats uh, uh, George H.W. Bush by four or five years. I think he was 94 when he passed away. Uh, Adam Carrington might correct me here in a little while. Other presidential news. As you're waking up this morning, President Biden made an unannounced visit to Ukraine today. He was in Europe visiting Poland and made the unannounced visit to Kiev as Ukraine prepares to mark the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion this Friday. Reports are that he met with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky for talks at the Ukrainian presidential palace. So pray for safe travel for, for Biden both in and out. When it comes to our presidents, how are you feeling about him? To be honest, a lot of Americans are sick of presidents. There was an article at Politico and talking about the White House Historical Association. You know, you go visit the White House and, you know, you do the tour and then there's their gift shop, the Historical Association's gift shop. For the past four decades, they've partially funded themselves to the sale of the annual Christmas ornaments depicting things like Warren Harding's uh, presidential ro- uh, railroad car or Benjamin Harrison's introducing the electri- first electrified White House Christmas tree. But over the past decade or so, organize, the organization has encountered an odd dynamic in sales. People come into the gift shop, they look around and say, well, this is nice, but I'm not buying anything. I'm not buying any ornaments as long as that person's in the, in the, in the office or that person is president. We're, we're stressed on our presidents. Is there, <laughs> is there some way we can honor President's, President's Day better? Adam Carrington and I will talk about that shortly here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Don't forget, no mail today when you go to the your post box because... They got the day off. It's uh, President's Day. I'm Paul. Thanks for listening to Faith Radio. Filling in for Carmen and joining me now, one of our regular guests, Adam Carrington, a uh, political science professor at Hillsdale College. Adam, happy President's Day. Are you celebrating? Uh, we we are, although we are in class. But oh, okay. I'm teaching, I'm teaching U.S. Constitution today, our 101 class, so I'll make sure that they hear at least a little bit about the presidency, even though we're actually studying Congress right uh, now. You're, you're so still in Article 1. We we still are, and <laughs> and, and presidency comes next. But, presidency uh, comes but, next. But yes, yes, we'll, we'll definitely have a little a, a little toast, I guess. Right, there uh, you go. It. There you go. Well, and then maybe after work, you go and buy yourself a less expensive mattress because, you know, President's Day sales and all that, right? Yes, I I, I, I I guess that means I well, I was about to make a terrible sleep on it joke, but uh, but but uh, yeah, exactly. But no, uh, it, it is interesting. Um, you know, the question of then what are you celebrating on President's Day? Uh, and I think you were talking before the uh, I came on about the question of people struggling to um, celebrate President's Day when they're president. A president that they're not a fan of is in, in in office, and maybe that is something where you you, you think about uh, uh, the idea of how do you celebrate what the founders created yeah. when they made the office of the presidency. I, I think one of the great contributions of the Hamilton musical 
is they have this song on there where uh, Washington announces how he's going to resign. Mm. And the the statement, and there's sort of incredul- incredulity with the um, other, uh, you know, with Hamilton. Like, oh, no, you can't resign. Uh, and he says, we're going to teach him how to say goodbye. And says, I'm going to make it so the Constitution and the presidency lives beyond me. And what that proves is that the office and the law that the office creates and, and defines is going to be bigger than any one human being and, and how important that's been to our institutions, that laws rule. Mm-hmm. And when men do rule, they rule through institutions and that uh, we've had b- better and worse presidents for sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and may and really none better than our first. But. Uh, the office itself is something to celebrate that we created a executive that wasn't a king that yep. was grounded in the people uh, and that was both a combination of energetic enough to uh, enforce the law and safe enough to not himself be inherently a threat to the law. And I think that's something you can celebrate whether you like the current president or not, whether you love him or not, and and something you can say we need to hold the president accountable to, whether you like him or not, or whether he's your favorite or not. I'm going to have to find the link, but uh, you just put up an article at the Washington Examiner, right? Uh, yes. And you're, yeah. you're talking about President's Day, but more importantly, you just alluded to it, because Washington was a unique figure. We've had, let's see now, 45 different people who served as president of the United States, 46 different presidencies. There was one uh, president, a uh, guy who served twice and non-consecutively. But 45 different people have served as president of the United States. Some really great. Some... So let's look at what you talk about in the article. And returning to the idea of Washington's birthday, celebrating that, which was first established in 1879, right? Uh, yes, uh, that's when they first closed federal buildings in in the in D.C. itself to celebrate. Now, uh, Americans had more informally or at the state level recognized Washington's birthday, uh, which is the 22nd, actually, as a day to be remembered. They would have festivities. They would they would honor it really from the year 1800, which mm. was the year after his death. But it didn't become an official federal holiday, as you said, till 1879. And the idea was, at that point, we weren't just celebrating presidents. We were celebrating our first president and how he set an example for how the presidency could could and should be run, how he had done as much even before that for our country and leading the American Revolution. And it was only uh, when you got into uh, really, I think it was 1971, that it became a generic President's Day as opposed to saying, no, 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 uh, this is to note not just an office, but a great man that held it who should get special attention from us mm-hmm. and special gratitude uh, to God, really, for uh, what what he did. So that that's where I, I make the appeal in the article that we should go back to it being a focus on Washington and trying to remind us of what his virtues were. Why was he such a great man worthy of our remembrance uh, beyond just his deeds, also his character? Mm. Well, I kind of, okay, I was just getting into elementary school in 71. I just got into kindergarten, but I remember there was still kind of some awkwardness in my elementary years. I mean, are we celebrating Washington's Day or President's Day? And 
I, it was back then explained to me, you know, because they wanted to honor Lincoln, who was also a February birthday, you know, not this past uh, Sunday, but the Sunday prior to that on the 12th. Um, and the focus was on those two, but I, I see where you're going because let, let's look again at at the restrictions since you're okay you'll be getting to talking with your students about article two of the constitution let's look at the presidency what was described and how did washington flesh that out because okay what was written is one thing how it got fleshed out is another right and i i think i would be all for recognizing washington or uh lincoln as well maybe even on his own day Mm -hmm. um uh, but yeah i think washington was special because Article 2 does say a good amount that the president will have the executive power of the United States. It gives how he's to be elected. It gives a number of particular powers, the most essential of which is that he'll make sure the laws are faithfully executed. It, it So it does it set up a number of things, but it leaves a lot as far as how the president will conduct himself how far he is to see the exercise of his own powers un undescribed it really leaves it to either implication or being drawn out by uh the occupant of the office and washington was meticulously careful we have we have records of him talking with his cabinet of his own private thoughts his own public papers where he was he knew that everything he did set a precedent and so he established, for example, that the president was going to be a decidedly civil, not military officer, that even though he was commander in chief, he was never going to wear a military uniform. Uh, when he was inaugurated, he wore a very simple suit and gave, uh, you know, gave his uh, set what an inaugural address really is supposed to focus on, which is what are we as a country, uh, his fidelity to the Constitution he uh, established how a president interacts with his cabinet in a way that is still essential today. And he established how the president's going to interact with other branches in a way that I think both upheld that we needed a strong president, but also upheld that there needed to be limits. There are things he said, I'm not going to do that because that's not what a president should do. That's not my constitutional power. And that sort of meticulous carefulness and studied um submission to the constitution while still trying to figure out what it didn't tell him i think is is something that really uh made it so that 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 the men that held the office later had a much better idea and i think an idea that in general has worked out pretty well for for how to uh, how to conduct themselves when president there's been a lot of concern about what's called the imperial presidency <clears throat> where the last several presidents, they'll issue these executive orders, for example, as, as one of the ways. And they're stretching, <laughs> they're stretching things because, OK, it's not that Washington didn't have executive orders. As a matter of fact, the establishment of a cabinet was not specified, but he did that. But he was meticulous about it, wasn't he? Yeah, well, and I'll say the the cabinet offices were established. Oh, by they law, were. OK, I misunderstood. Yeah, 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 they were. But. Uh, executive orders is a, is a great question because I I think that um, it, there there's there's legitimate kinds of executive orders and illegitimate kinds and I think by the way that the president a lot of the growth of the presidency has been be, for two things one 
the national government has gotten much, much, much bigger in what it does, which expands all all power, legislative, executive, and judicial at the national level. And the second is that uh, Congress has abdicated a lot of its lawmaking responsibility that the president has taken up, filled the gap with. Executive orders, I would say, if they are making law, in other words, if they're trying to get around, as some presidents have used them, with something that Congress should have done, uh, and I think we've got bipartisan examples of that, then yes, it's it's illegitimate. It's overstepping its bounds. The legislative power is given to Congress. If it's merely trying to say, you know, the president can't execute the laws by himself, it can't, you know, Joe Biden or Donald Trump or Barack Obama or, or anyone can't be in California, you know, in San Francisco Bay and New York Harbor um, in, enforcing tariff laws at the same time. He just physically can't be there. He has to have subordinates mm-hmm. and good executive orders are saying to my subordinates. I'm the one in charge of making sure the laws are executed, and I'm going to tell you this is how I understand the written law of Congress and how I'm demanding you will carry it out. Mm-hmm. And if that's all he's doing, telling his subordinates how to carry out the law, I think that's perfectly legitimate and make sure he's in charge, not a bureaucrat or not you know, a lower official. It's when they try to say, no, I'm going to use this to get around the laws of Congress. That's when it oversteps its bounds. And anything that Washington did, I think, was more that that former better uh normal understanding of how the executive makes sure that he's he's the chief law enforcement officer not the chief lawmaking officer Mm, all right we're talking with adam carrington from hillsdale college when we continue we're going to talk about another historic birthday this month that of frederick douglas and you know adam being a person who loves the constitution teaching the constitution and douglas had a lot to say on that we're going to get to to Frederick Douglass here in just a few moments. This is Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. Listen all you people. Jesus is the only that has no This is Mornings with Carmen, just without Carmen. She's off this week. I'm Paul, filling in and talking with our good friend Adam Carrington. Again, looking at the world of politics and the Constitution primarily. I love the fact we can go get some historic background with you, Adam. And I, I so enjoy it because oftentimes we're, we're caught up in our world where we're just, there's so much political angst one way or another, we forget the founding roots and the, 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 the structures that were put into place uh, by the framers. Now, the next topic, I know we got to, this might be a kind of a hard thing. It's along with being, you know, President's Day this month, among many things, is African American History Month, Black History Month. And we want to talk about former slave Frederick Douglass. And you do it from a very particular angle here because, okay, first off, let's address the 800-pound gorilla in the room. We're a couple of guys, both of European descent. We're talking about Frederick Douglass, who was an African American, an African, uh, African of descent. He was a former slave, victim of a culture of servitude based solely on his ethnicity at the hands of people who were well, people of our general ethnicity, someone pushed back, how dare we talk about him? But we need to, don't we? Yes, and I think he would be frustrated if we were unwilling to, at least honestly, because he had a vision that um, there were people that said that uh, this country can't get past its slave past. It can't move to a full political, social 
uh, equality and civil equality between uh, uh, whites and blacks. And he really rejected that and said that that itself is a result of prejudice that needs to be gotten over. And that what we really need is to reaffirm, he talked consistently uh, before and after the American Civil War about the fact that we have been founded on universal values and that those universal values don't see the color of people's skin before the law, but that it really believes in uh, human equality that doesn't know those kinds of differences. Uh, And he himself, by the way, was uh, continued to be a reformer. Something that's not always known about him is when he died as a very old man, it was after speaking at a suffragette rally. He was Mm. later in life a advocate for the 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 women's right to vote as well and saw that as a similar uh you know not not, he wasn't claiming women had been in slavery before but that was another cause that needed to be uh a fuller realization of how our country is and 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 what its principles were now let's get to his relationship with well one of your favorite topics the constitution and he had a he had a he had to struggle with it, but tell us about that struggle and how he came out in the end in his view of that. Right, he was so he he was born into slavery, as many know, and has a wonderful uh, several autobiographies, but that talk about that life. And so after he escapes from slavery, he joins the abolitionists. He's a genius, uh, despite not getting the education that that uh, a, a white person would he was uh became a great orator and he joined the garrisonians so william lloyd garrison a noted abolitionist b- before the civil war and the garrisonians were anti-slavery but believe the constitution itself was either pro-slavery or so tied up in slavery that they called it a pact with the devil they said that you know we should a- actually they advocated for secession at times uh, but that the free states should secede from the uh, United States because they said no union with slaveholders. And Douglas was in line with that. You can find readings by him in the 1840s uh, advocating, you know, this slavery is bad and America's bad because of slavery. You see a turn in 1851 that he announces. He announces publicly, I don't agree with that anymore. And while he remained an abolitionist who was uh, decidedly against slavery, and while he remained very critical of America for having slavery, he came to believe and publicly declared that America wasn't fulfilling its understanding of itself by being having slavery. It was opposing it. He, he called in, in a speech called What to the Slave is the Fourth of July. While he's critiquing the existence of slavery, he says, the Constitution's not the problem. He calls it a glorious liberty document and that the real intent of it was to put us on a path to freedom for all people and that we were not filling that out. Uh, it's something that Martin Luther King Jr. would echo when he right. said in the I Have a Dream speech, let us live out the full meaning of our creed, not let us get a new creed that's actually just and right. And, and that's where Douglas landed. And he never stopped being frustrated with what he saw as the lack of America filling out fully its 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 vision of all men are created equal, its vision of equality before the law. But he saw it as America needs to be a bet more more true to itself, 
not something different, which with a lot of the critiques we see of America on race, on slavery, uh, I think that on that he's actually more hopeful and more positive on America than many of its other detractors, even as he himself, as I said, had spared nothing in saying where he thought we fell short. In that regard, as I'm going to put this in the show notes, too, about the Hillsdale 1776 curriculum. There was a news article about that, Adam. If you can quickly summarize in one minute about that curriculum, because some people say, oh, it's ideologically driven. There, I couldn't get the word out, but ideologically driven. Is it? And in what way, if it is? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, you know, no curriculum is perfect, but I think a lot of our current curriculum that we see in schools is very, it's both boring and ideologically driven. And I think this is a much better move in two ways. I think it's less boring in that it's primary document focused. We, we don't just have a, a dry discussion that uh, a, a bureaucrat wrote about the founding we read what the founders wrote we mm-hmm. read it as a great narrative that's exciting uh that's a great story um is it positive on america much more so than the standard curriculum so if you're taking it from that perspective but it's not uh bleary you know it, it doesn't uh, uh whitewash things either it mm-hmm. recognizes slavery as an evil and but it still believes i think with douglas that we are a country that can be commended for how we have sought to overcome our injustices, mm-hmm. not for ones that indulged in them. And that I think it, it it therefore sets up a way that Americans can really experience their past in, I think, a more fair way, but also a more direct way where we read what they actually themselves said and try to think what it means for our citizenship now. Yeah, I'm going to put the article I saw at the Inqui- uh, what Philadelphia Inquirer about that. But hey, Adam, thanks again. So appreciate you joining us here so faithfully every other week here on Mornings with Garmin. Always a pleasure and, and good to talk to you on air as we often do <laughs> off air. And oh, yeah. uh, but I'll be I'll look forward to talking to Carmen too. I hope she has a good good uh, break. Yeah. She's off skiing, so hopefully she's having fun. Anyway, this is Mornings with Carmen. Carmen again off this week. I'm Paul here on Faith Radio. And thank you for listening to Mornings with Carmen. Real quickly, a prayer note. Um, We've been talking about this mainly with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. But there is a Mission Aviation Fellowship pilot. He's being in prison in Mozambique. Uh, He was arrested over 100 days ago, and they refused his bail uh, request. So please keep him in prayer. Well, next hour, well, a lot more coming up. Mornings with Carmen. Remember to join us reading the Bible together for Lent. You can find out more information about that at MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.